0: Welcome to the Profits in Pajamas podcast. I'm Danielle Deteach, or Coach Danny D, and I help women to create luxury brands by creating processes and tightening their branding. This is where we talk about how to build your business in a way that allows you to work with ease and enjoy your life. My happy space is spending as much time as humanly possible in my pajamas. And I want to help others to find their happy space while still running profitable businesses. So get comfortable and let's dig in. Hello, and welcome to the Profits in Pajamas podcast. I am your host, Coach Danny D. And I'm here always helping small business owners try to get to that work with ease lifestyle. I want you to be able to have a successful and profitable business, but also enjoy your business, enjoy your life, have quality of life. So that's really important that we are working towards our success story and whatever that looks like for us. But that we are thinking about that in a holistic way. Mm -hmm. And so I am very, very excited to have our guest on here today, Dominique. Clifton and she is out of Baltimore, the Baltimore area. I know we have some listeners um from that area, so check her out. Um, she's a certified yoga instructor and she also does breath work and medita- She's a meditation facilitator. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominice, I'm not gonna go too much deeper because I want you to tell the people about yourself. And I'm so excited just to talk about, you know, this type of self-care.
1: Mm, Okay. Hi, Coach Danny. Thank you so much for having me today. So for everyone that's tuning in, I want to thank y'all for taking the time to listen also. Um, I'm honored to be here to have this conversation and just to share a bit about myself because I'm sure we'll go deeper into the conversation, but One of the things people typically ask me is how did I start doing the work that I'm doing? So I am the founder of Move and Still, which is an organization that works with organizations, businesses, corporations to offer stress management, trauma recovery services, and really focus on mindfulness and my goal with Move and Still is to really help organizations to create a culture of well-being. What we're seeing now, especially in the workplace post-COVID, is that everyone you know, at this point has wellness programs, but a lot of times these wellness programs are not work- working as effectively because organizations are putting the onus on the people to do the work, and it's not really a part of the culture. And so I really, again, work with organizations and support organizations to look at policies and how wellness can be more incorporated into that, and also. So you know how we think about wellness and how we support the whole being. Because if I'm going to work stress from things that are happening at home, I'm taking that to work, and then I'm you know I'm leaving work and bringing it back home. And so I really try to again focus on that culture. But I think when it comes to culture, it's not really just about workplace. I think it's also about our society and what we've. Come to normalize and how we're all so used to moving, busy, and being fast, and myself included in that, like being okay with slowing down. And so, my work is really, I would say, a byproduct of my own life. When people, I said all that to say, when people ask me why I started doing this work, I am doing the work that I once needed and still need to this day. So, focusing heavily on stress management and trauma recovery. I am someone who typically, you know, overcommits and says yes to all the things, finds myself struggling with burnout. And so everything that I'm sharing with people are the things that I'm using in my own life to resource and replenish myself. And then trauma recovery has been so much of my own story, just allowing myself to heal from unaddressed childhood trauma that I carried for decades. And so I feel really passionate about that work, especially when it comes to women, because we hold and carry so much and we feel like we have to hold and carry so much. Um, And a lot of times we don't even realize, I know we talked about, us not realizing how much we carry, mm-hmm. um, which was my own story for a long time. And now I'm looking back and retracing how that trauma that I carried for such a long time impacted my life and my relationships and you know just the overall quality of my life. So we'll dive a bit deeper, but I am doing the work that I, I said all that to say, I'm doing the work that I'm doing today because it was and continues to be the work that I need for my own healing process and just my own life in general. And...
0: That is absolutely beautiful because we all need it. Mm -hmm. We all need it. And we may not know that Mm -hmm. we need it, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I shared a little bit of my story with you um, when we talked before and I came to this place of, you know, work with ease and, you know, just kind of, you know, anti-grind culture because of really just breaking down, like Mm -hmm. just legit, like carrying too much for too long and you know having a huge life event and all of it coming crashing yep. down at the same time and we shouldn't have to experience Mm-mm.
2: that <laughs> Mm -hmm.
0: We shouldn't have to experience that and we should be able to, you know, experience joy. We should Mm -hmm. be able to be fulfilled. You know, it's hard to be fulfilled when you are carrying so Mm -hmm. much. And I do believe that we have come to believe that there's no other way.
2: Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. And, you know, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you and just to, you know, do the work that we're both doing because there is another way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you know, it is become so much of the norm that we don't see that there's another way and another option.
1: Yeah. So I think what is important here is that a lot of times we don't know it's another way because we haven't been shown another way. So I will speak from my sense. own personal experience. I grew up, I'm a Black woman and I grew up raised by a Black woman and Black women. And what I saw was the hustle, the grind, the work hard, the overcommitting, the you know, the strong Black woman, which is uh-huh. what our society tells us we have to to be, who our society tells us to, ha- we have to be, and then we internalize that. And oftentimes wear it as a badge of honor to nurture and serve and do for everyone else and, you know, not necessarily to pour into ourselves that way. So I think for me, I did not start understanding the extent of how that narrative was playing out in my head and in my life well until, you know, I was a 30-something-year-old woman just like you said, exhausted and thinking, okay, there has to be another way because this is not working. But growing up and most of my, you know, young adult life, early twenties, that sort of thing. I didn't really think that there was anything wrong with that because it was all I knew. And to this day, my mother continues to function and operate in that way. And so I think that It is hard sometimes to step outside of our programming and our paradigm and our conditioning to think, okay, maybe I don't have to always be burned out. Like maybe I don't have to carry it all. And then also to start to work through the guilt that we oftentimes feel as women, as mothers, you know, as Black women, when we start to put up boundaries and say no to work through that guilt. Why do I feel that guilt? You know, those sorts of things. So, what I've been doing on my own journey lately is not just focusing on burnout and teaching people about burnout but i'm noticing from my own life and the patterns that continue to repeat themselves is getting to the root of what is driving that behavior so for Mm -hmm. me we can talk about burnout and i can give people strategies and you know they probably will or will not use them depending on what is going on emotionally and mentally in their head so for myself Mm -hmm. again because i continue to get to this place of burnout I have had to stop and say what like what behavior is driving this and there is for me um as I continue to unpack there is a deep deeply rooted unworthiness right that started in my childhood with my own unaddressed trauma even with all of the healing work that I've done over the years and the layers that I've been shedding there was still this unworthiness from my childhood that was driving the behavior and so again i think we have to start to trace the breadcrumbs i like to say and kind of look at where these behaviors started where we learned these things why we learned these things to to really begin to see sustainable change because sure you can you know do some breath work start working out you know those sorts of things but oftentimes we don't see those behaviors stick because internally like we don't believe that we are worthy of a life of ease and grace and you know all of those things no, and
0: I totally, totally agree with you. And I, I, oh goodness, the, the strong black woman narrative. Oh, Jesus. Like that is, you know, and, you know, it, it's one of those things of, you know, you know, you gotta give grace, but then you also gotta, you know, force change, you know, mm-hmm. because we know that, you know, our mothers, our grandmothers, all that mm-hmm. came before us have a reason why they operated in that way. Mm -hmm. You know, that didn't just come out of the clear blue sky. You know, it was, it it was a response to trauma, right?
3: Yeah,
2: It
0: was a response to trauma, but at some point we have to start undoing that trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of it is, you know, this, this overachiever, um, mantra Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
0: you know we 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 keep changing the name Mm -hmm. but it's still the same trauma you know I was talking to some girlfriends a few weeks back and I told them I said you know I feel like you know black girl magic is just strong black woman with some glitter on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying
0: it's it's just it's still making us have to have, you know, superhuman abilities. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, why can't we just be? Mm -hmm. Mm. Why do we have to be, you know, super? Why do we have to be, you know, something, you know, extraordinary, you know, not Mm -hmm. saying that you can't do great things, but just saying that, why is that a a requirement of birth you know that mm-hmm. that you have to be you know dipped in this yeah why why is not just existing and being the best version of yourself good enough
1: yeah I, that's such a such a beautiful statement and question and i think again like tracing where we learn these things becomes really important because I'm sure for you, it might be similar where in a lot of Black households and cultures, we are taught, oh, you have to work twice as hard, right? Yes. Which is like survival, right? It was was well-intentioned. It was, yes. In order to succeed, you got to work twice as hard, you know, because you're a Black woman or you're a Black person you're showing up in these spaces. And again, we internalize that. That becomes a part of how we exist and then we look up and we're still working twice as hard maybe not even getting as far you know cuz we're burned out but right. that's just the way that we are used to functioning so i think starting to question some of those cultural norms that we teach our children to survive and achieve and all of these things this is generational right like this is this right. is not right just, no like it's, it's And it, 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 it's deeply
0: rooted it's yeah. deeply it yeah. is very hard to you know hit the undo button on Mm -hmm. it because you know even being conscious of it it's like you look up and you're like wait 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 (laughs) i'm doing it again (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you know slow down it doesn't you know everything does not have to be you know 10 times what was asked yeah Yeah. and i mean i think it also you know it it can propel us in some ways, you know, make us stand out, but we're not getting the, you know, when you look at, you know, pay and Mm
1: promotions
0: and stuff, we're not getting a reward of it. So Mm -hmm. it's really not um, benefiting us in that way. But in another way, it kind of holds us back as well, because then we feel the obligation that we, if we don't feel like we're, you know, two times, you know, 10 Mm -hmm. times or whatever, you know, the number is better, then we don't pursue certain things.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: we don't feel like we're, you know, I I really love what you said about worthiness. There's this worthiness that underlies that philosophy Mm -hmm. that we don't, no, you're fine, that we don't, we don't really realize that's there, you know, that there's something in saying that that says that you're not worth it if mm-hmm. you don't fill in the blank and mm-hmm. you're worthy just being like mm-hmm. you, are, you are worthy. Mm hmm.
1: So I will share, this conversation is so timely, of course. Um, I'll share what I've been processing and working through over the last couple of weeks, months, or really years. I think like how you kind of say you keep repeating those same patterns a lot of the time. So again, I teach this work. I know this work. I'm very passionate about this work, but the embodiment piece is, it's another level, right? Like you can know all the things, but living it, having it be your lifestyle, having it be a way of life is a different challenge. And I do very well with self-care and really taking care of myself. And still- because I overcommit, I still find myself sometimes at the place of exhaustion and even teetering on the line of burnout. And then I'm much more aware of it now where I can feel it in my body and start to pull myself back quicker. So maybe I don't get to that place or stay in that place as long, but it's not to say that I don't get there. And just being very transparent and, you know, honest about that but what I have had to do lately I'm back in therapy and I was talking to my therapist and I was seeing her last year and then I stopped seeing her around June and then I felt like okay I need some emotional support again so I started seeing my therapist again so she starts to call And she's like, okay, sis, black woman, what's going on? And so I start (laughs) start running through the, you know, running through the rundown of all the things that I'm doing. And I'm like, we talked last year about me overcommitting and doing the most and taking on too many things at one time. And she actually, last year, this was the first I had ever heard of this, but I was diagnosed with high functioning trauma, which is essentially overachieving, being a perfectionist, looking really good on paper. Like people are Mm -hmm. applauding me for my accolades and success, Mm -hmm. but I am overachieving to mask the trauma to, to control the situation, to mask the voice in my head that tells me I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy enough. So again, people are, oh my God, you're doing great. And but I'm constantly chasing the next shiny object because even still, that's not enough. So she diagnosed me with this. I started doing research on it. Come to find out, actually had someone on my podcast, who's a therapist who talks, who specializes in this. And she's like, I work with lawyers. I work with doctors. I work with, um, uh, she's in California. She's like, I work with, uh, Silicon Valley you know startup tech founders like people who are wealthy doing great things and when the curtain closes we are struggling with that internal voice that still tells us we are not good enough despite all that we've done and I had battled with this for most of my life and so we talked last year I became aware of it I started doing better now I'm back in therapy because I'm going through the same thing and so when she's like again tell me what's going on I'm running through all of the things that I'm doing. And I'm like, I am back here again. I'm feeling exhausted. And she's like, how are you doing more now than last year when we had this conversation? <laughs> so again, for me, it became, okay, like what is driving this behavior? Because I have the awareness that I'm doing this. I understand what it is. And, you know, I have the, the, the term for it, but I've really been sitting with why am I doing this? And just recently I had a really big, after going through a very like dark mental time, I realized that there's this inner child version of me. So my first traumatic experience happened when I was around two years old. So I was born Mm -hmm. to a teen mom and my mother had me at 15. So she finished uh, junior and senior year of high school and then she graduated and went off to college. My mother grew up in a high poverty situation. So her going off to college was, I know that education is the way that I'm going to get myself and my daughter out of the hood, out of this situation, you know? So she had the best intentions, but I was left with family members, my grandmother at the time, back home while my mother went off to school. I stayed with my grandmother for about a year and then my grandmother had a brain aneurysm, which we can talk more about what caused that. She got sick, had a brain aneurysm and was no longer able to care for me. So then now I go with new family. So by the time I'm three or four, I've been separated from my mom, separated from my grandmother, now with a new family. Also, I've never met my biological father. So there was the absence of him being in my life. And so I am at three or four now not feeling worthy of love from anyone Mm because I'm not understanding what's going on. No one's explaining it to me. And even if they were, I'm not at a place where I can process and understand it. So my little mind says, okay, well, everyone leaves me. So no one loves me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy that little version of myself, I call her young Dom, has been driving the ship, the, the the driving the car for the last 30 plus years. And I'm just now having to be like, okay, I have to work on this little person, you know, because mm-hmm. as a 30 plus something year old woman, I understand, like we said, consciously that these things don't make sense, but there's something subconsciously that even despite all that I have done is still saying you need to do more, like you are not enough. And I think for a lot of us, that's just my own personal story. But again, I think it's important for us to understand when these behaviors started, what are the stories that we're holding on to, you know, what are the things subconsciously that are there and to really begin to allow ourselves to heal those versions of ourselves. um, Because otherwise we'll keep repeating the pattern Mm -hmm. and I speak from existence. And so despite all the work that I've done, you know, I've done so much of the healing that came late that needed to be done from things that happened later in life. But now I'm going all the way back to the beginning. And I think for a lot of us, like we really do have to go back and, you know, start from, start from the beginning and understand what is driving that unworthiness that is causing us to overwork and burnout. I, I
0: totally, totally agree with you. And I think, you know, I know like, you know, when I'm working with clients and I always start with mindset and I think you know, a lot of people are like, you know, well, I came here to learn how to run a business. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. But until you deal with your stuff, you know what I'm saying? It's going to keep coming back around. And it's not like when you, you know, when you work for somebody and you're you're out of line or something's going on, there's someone to check on you. There's Mm -hmm. someone to check you, you know, in those situations, when you are an entrepreneur, there's not usually somebody there for that. So you have to work through your stuff in order to be able to be that best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that involves some, some hard conversations, some hard Mm realizations, And like you said, there's always that inner child. Like when, you know, I I can just think of like every breakthrough that I've had. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's because when I was five. You know, you you don't think about it like that. But, you know, you realize as you get older that there are things that happen to you, good and bad, that have shaped Mm -hmm. where you are right now. Mm -hmm. But some of those things were never... addressed Addressed, or never you know it just was what the situation Mm -hmm. was you just were thrown into this situation and you you know as a young person had to figure that out and process Mm -hmm. it the best way that you could Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. but it's still there
2: yeah
0: it's absolutely still there and we have to be able to you know deal with that if we want to see real change if we Mm -hmm. want to you know like for me I think my biggest aha moment was you know my breakdown came at the point of you know my grandmother passed away my grandmother raised me she was you know really really um close to me anybody who knows me has you know heard a million my grandmother stories Mm -hmm. um, because she was you know she was just that person for me in my life And that was the point where I realized like, I, I, you know, I need support in this. I don't know where to get Mm -hmm. that. I need to Mm -hmm. live differently because this is not working. You know, Mm -hmm. all of these different things that I'm trying to handle, it's not working. Mm -hmm. And the moment for me was when I'm sitting there on the sofa and I'm just blank, just Mm -hmm. numb. And my husband walked in and he's looking at me and everything in his face is saying, I want to help you. But he didn't know mm-hmm. how to help. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. I had to come to the conclusion and the realization it wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. It was totally my fault because I had been the one To take care of everybody, to take on everybody, to do all things for all people. So even though we've been together since high school, Mm -hmm. this man don't know how he's he's like you know he 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 knows what my favorite food is to bring me you know some comfort food or you know a blanket, but he doesn't know how to break through those walls Mm -hmm. because I've never fully let anybody in.
3: Mm. and it was
0: it was realizing that it -hmm. was realizing that you've been living this you know this strong black woman narrative for so long that you don't know how to be weak Mm. you don't know how to be vulnerable and you don't know how to be taken care of and I had to own that
3: Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And mm-hmm. I had to, you know, reconstruct things in a different way. You know, and I had to, you know, because for me it got to a point where it got, you know, almost scary because I'm like, so what if I really went to a dark place mm-hmm. and nobody knows the address to come find yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah. To get me out. Mm-hmm. And so it was like you know what you have to operate different. This 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 strength mm-hmm. is killing you. Yeah. And you know you know you you talked about your your grandmother with the you know aneurysm, and my grandmother you know had the doctor said she had con- con- congestive heart failure that she probably had for twenty something years. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But she was just going along taking care of the world. Hmm. But it's just that narrative that we have to, you know, we really have to undo. We have to hit that undo button. But it does start with self-discovery of, you know, figuring out, like, how did I get here?
2: Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. am I like
0: this? And then being honest with yourself when you are being like this. Like after, Mm -hmm. like you said, like after, you know, you know, being honest. Wait, wait, girl, you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You're doing it again. Yeah, Slow down. Yeah
1: we got delivered from this (laughs) list. Yes. Let's stay on the straight and narrow. (laughs) I think coach Danny, something that you talked about, well, what you said just made me think of the fact that I think for us, a lot of times the disconnect is in the not knowing. So you mentioned how your husband didn't really know how to support you. And then you mentioned that again, like you got to this place and you just didn't know what to do or how to get from this space. I think that's true for a lot of us. Like mental health, well-being, wellness, these things we're talking about more, but a lot of times we don't know. So number 1, we don't know what to do when we get there, but I think oftentimes we don't know what to do to look for the signs before we get to that place. So maybe starting there to begin because again, like when I feel myself getting to that place, I at least have the awareness now. I'm I'm not uh exempt from it cuz I'm human, right? Um, But I at least have the awareness to be like, okay, I feel myself going back to this place. Like, what is it? What do I need to do to shift and change? But a lot of times we don't realize until there's like an emotional tolerance window. And if let's just say the emotional tolerance window is zero to 10. The goal is to stay somewhere between maybe like a four and a seven. When you feel yourself outside of that seven range, you are going into like a hyper arousal state. Seven to 10 is like where I'm nearing and then I'm at the state of burnout, right? And then underneath that four, that zero to four phase or zero to three phase, let's just say is... A hypo arousal. So when you completely shut down, so you got to recognize like, I'm at either at the point where I'm burned out and I'm completely shut down or I'm at a 10 and now I'm going off on everybody in the house because somebody left the toothpaste off of the toothpaste jar. And we think that it's about the toothpaste or whatever, you know, someone didn't take the trash out, but it, it was, it's the fact that you have been going past your capacity for so long and not recognizing it. So one of the things i like to ask people when I'm working with groups is how do you know How do you know when you are nearing or at the place of exhaustion? To really have people to think about what does my body feel like? Because the body is always communicating to us, hey, you need to slow down, right? Like trying to get our attention. Hey, you need to slow down. I'm tired. You need to do things different. But oftentimes we don't slow down until we are at that point of emotional exhaustion or burnout. So maybe if you're listening, just to start thinking about, and again, building that awareness of what does it start to feel like? What are some of the signs and the signals? Some of the things that I hear often are, I feel fatigued. Um, My body starts to ache. So maybe I'm feeling tightness and tension in my neck and my shoulders. Um, People might start to get headache. Like a headache is you get the headache when you are tired, but you just kept pushing yourself. And now you have the headache because your body is saying you need to rest. But, you know, how, how did it feel before you got to the point of the headache? Sometimes I ask them, well, in addition to asking them how they feel, I might ask them how are you emotionally so how how are you showing up in the world i hear things like i'm irritable I'm angry. I don't want to be bothered. I just want to be to myself, you know, all of these sorts of things. And I think that if we start to recognize when we are exhibiting those signs, we might allow ourselves to come back from that place sooner. So we don't get to that 10. Like when you are at that eight, you've crossed over that safety threshold. How do you feel to the point where you can start bringing yourself back? Okay, I know I need to slow down. I know I need to be more intentional about taking care of myself. I know I need to get some rest. And so one of the things that I would encourage your listeners to do is maybe write a list, right? Like to really sit down and think about how does my body start to communicate to me when I am getting to the point of exhaustion and burnout? How do I start to show up in the world so that we just don't bypass all of those signals when they start to communicate to us, but we allow ourselves to slow down sooner? Um, So I find that to be a really helpful exercise because a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, self-awareness is the first step in the process. You have to become aware of how you're showing up, how it feels, so that you can start to make change. The challenge with a lot of people because of our trauma is that we are so disconnected from our bodies that we don't recognize the signs and the symbols until again we're at that. That's 10.
0: what I was I, I was I was waiting to ask that question like how do we Get there when, you know, we have put ourselves, Mm -hmm. our our signals on mute for Mm so long Mm -hmm. that, you know, because I can remember that place, you know, where you, you know, you couldn't have told me then that I was burnt out, you know, yeah. like, you know, you that was their usual state. Yeah, yeah. Cause it was just normal. That was just mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. And you know, yelling at people about cause you left this yep. out, you did this yep. thing. And, and that was just normal. Yep. But you know, so how do, how do you turn that volume up?
1: Oof, that's such a good question. So I, think that the reconnecting with our bodies is such an important part of the healing process and the awareness process. And even speaking from my own personal experience, just like you, I existed for that way. Uh, I existed that way for so long that I didn't really realize how much of my functioning was off until I started to, to heal you really have to go through, again, like reestablishing a relationship with your body. So some of the ways that that becomes helpful are things like breath work, meditation, yoga, like somatic approaches, body-centered approaches become really helpful in in the process of, like you said, noticing, turning the dial down. So that's where those those somatic uh, practices become helpful. So You don't have to do all of them. I think it's important for you to find the thing that feels good and resonates with you. Maybe try them out and see what feels good. Give yourself a little bit of time with each one and see what feels good in your body. But you have to start... um, you have to start really like bringing the body into the healing process. So when we think oftentimes about mental health, we think about our therapist, which I think is beautiful. But we go to our therapist and we talk through our things and we process things mentally, but we haven't done anything to address the trauma that we're holding in our bodies. And when it comes to trauma, what a lot of us don't realize is that the way that the brain works, we have the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. The left side of the brain is that like, cognitive, logical functioning side of the brain. So again, when we go to talk therapy, we are using the left side of our brain. We're processing and understanding why we're doing the things, but then we get frustrated with ourselves because we don't necessarily see the behavior change that we want to see. So until you start to go and tap into those right brain modalities, which are things like the somatic and body-centered approaches I mentioned, which are things like art, creative expression, you know, art therapy, Until you start to tap into those right brain modalities, you won't really see the behavior change that you are seeking because the trauma, you're not really tapping into it if you're not, um, you know, doing those right brain modalities. So, again, involving the body in the healing process is such an important piece and oftentimes something that we don't do. I can't tell you the amount of conversations I've had with women where they've been in therapy for three or four years and they're still struggling with depression, not getting better, you know, not, not feeling better. And there's nothing wrong with therapy. I wanna stress this. It's a both and situation. It's like you have to do therapy and you gotta do these body-centered approaches. You have to do therapy and you gotta allow yourself to release from the body. And so I always like to just... Um, Educate people on why, you know, really bringing the body into the conversation is important. And so to answer your question, you begin to build that awareness when you begin to reestablish that relationship with your body. For a lot of people, I think yoga is a great way to start because it's easy for us to connect with the physical. Sometimes breath work might be challenging or, again, tapping into that mental mindfulness piece can be challenging. When we're so used to going, but just starting with something like yoga that allows us to slow down, focus on our breathing, you know, really become more in tune with our bodies is a great way to begin to reestablish that relationship. And then before I stop, the last thing I'll say, and I'll let you jump in is... You might hear something like yoga and be like, oh, that's not for me because you picture skinny white girls, right? Like a lot of times you Google yoga, all you see is skinny, skinny white girls. There are many types of yoga, right? Like there are many different forms of yoga. So even depending on where your ability is or where you're starting, there's restorative yoga, which I love so much. And it's such a beautiful yoga practice where you're just allowing yourself to be supported by props. It's not a lot of movement. The intention is to be still and to slow down. There's yoga nidra, which is a process of literally just lying on a mat and then listening to, you know, listening to someone guide you. So there's many different ways to go about, but I think just being open to starting with something that allows you to move the body and to release from the body is really important with beginning to build that awareness.
0: I th- I think that is absolutely beautiful and yeah I know that a lot of times we don't think that certain spaces are for us because we don't see a lot of us in those spaces but um one you know there are you know spaces you know there are um lots of um black yoga studios and you know all that type of stuff but two you know, we have to get past that a little mm-hmm. bit too, in the sense of if there's something that's going to be beneficial to us. Sometimes we got to get in rooms that you know we may be the the first. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say the only because we just the first. Because you know, bring your girlfriend, bring your mm-hmm. next girlfriend, and change the, the 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 face of the room. But we can't not do things that are beneficial to us, you know, because we may not see people like us in that space. We won't see people like us in that space until we enter that space. So
2: yeah.
0: we have to, you know, we have to do the things that are, you know, beneficial to us, even if sometimes, you know, there's a little discomfort in getting there. But I mean, I do, you know, I I do believe like learning, you know, for me, a lot of my, you know, emotions, I talk about a lot. I give my emotions, you know, personas. They all mm-hmm. have their, you know, little personality, but it is, you know, so helpful to be able to feel them,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not just, you know, acknowledge that they exist. You know, at this point, I can feel my anxiety mm-hmm. when it happens. And I've always had physical um, responses to my anxiety but i used to just feel like oh man i'm sick you know and i didn't make the connection that when i get nervous my body reacts in this way but now that i know that then i know how th- i'm like girl you're not going to start this today <laughs> we're not we're not doing this because i feel it you know yeah. and i know that it's coming yep. And I have my own coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. that I know, okay, you about to come up in here and try to stall some stuff. (laughs) You know, I know like if I'm feeling nervous about something and I feel that, you know, I start feeling my body change, I know get up and go do something. Whatever the first step is on the list, even if you don't get to the second step, go do that first step because that pushes it back, you know, that, that releases that anxiety because it's like, no, you can do this, you know, and it's just, it's something about being able to feel that, that makes Mm -hmm. a huge difference. And I haven't been shut down by anxiety, like Mm -hmm. since I've known that, you know, so that knowledge, just that knowledge is really powerful
1: the knowledge is powerful, which we've talked about a bit. And then the coping piece is what you just mentioned is powerful. So, okay. So now when I feel it, like I've been working on building this relationship with my body, now the next step becomes, what do I do? And a lot of times we don't know what to do, or we might have a perception of what to do, but it's not necessarily helpful, or it might not be all that we need. So again, we might feel the anxiety and go to therapy, but you still are dealing with the emotions or you might feel the anxiety and go get your hair done or your nails done. And yes, you relax in that moment and you feel great after your manicure and pedicure, but then those emotions are still there. So I think that uh, uh, even helping people to understand like what are some helpful coping mechanisms becomes important because just like you said, the goal is we are human. So it's not that you are not experiencing these things, the goal is to have tools, resources that when I do experience these things, they don't shut me down and take me out, which is oftentimes what we see. So I would, um, I'm curious to say, for you to share some of your coping mechanisms, but I know for me, again, like the things that I mentioned, yoga, meditation, breath work, sometimes it's just getting out and being in nature. Like my therapist Mm -hmm. was asking me the other day, like, what are the things that help you cope? And a lot of times I find that I, I, I tend to operate and be very heady. So when I get in my head, I'm trying to be 10 steps ahead and I'm thinking about all the things. So in those moments, I know, okay, I need to ground. So maybe I can do some yoga, but maybe I just need to go outside and plant my feet on the earth. Or maybe I need to go take a walk and be in nature or hear you know hear water running, sit by a stream and allow myself to come down. So I think it's also important for us to have things that we know that work for us in our toolbox or our toy boxes, I like to call it, so that we can allow ourselves to explore. So ecotherapy is, you know, being out in nature. That one is really, really helpful for me. Um, uh when I start to, like you were talking about, get the anxiety or the voice in my head that starts to make me feel guilty about things that happen, I can do some breath work. And I know that that's going to calm that energy down. Or, you know, I can sit and meditate and just give myself a break away from, you know, whatever's causing me that stress. Sometimes what I've been finding really helpful lately is dancing, like dancing, just putting on some good music and letting myself go in the middle of my living room and getting three or four songs in. I feel so much better after that, doing things that bring me joy, right? Like we don't allow ourselves enough joy and that has definitely been my own situation and story for most of my life where I just take too, life too damn serious and I'm always mm-hmm. chasing goals. Yeah. And so lately I've been very intentional about, you know what, at least once on a weekly basis I have to do something that brings me joy. That might be that might look completely different for each of us. It might be going out with a good group of girlfriends that you know are going to make you laugh and just having a good laugh laugh session. I have enjoyed putting on some roller skates and like, you know, doing that. But you have to find, I think it's important to find what works for you. So those are some of my things. I'm curious to what are some of your coping mechanisms, tools that you have that you turn to?
0: So for me, definitely um, outdoors.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: you know, when I need to just shift my energy, I usually will go in um i go sit outside and, you know, I'll bring my work with me and I'll sit outside and it's just a change of scenery. It's just something about nature that just makes everything different. Um, I can remember at the beginning part of this year, like I just kind of felt like I was coming into the year slow, you know, it just like, mm-hmm. I was like, I just can't get the mojo. Like something was just off and I went and I took my dog for a walk and, um, he's sitting here. And so he heard that Mm -hmm. word. I'm like, I was hoping he wasn't listening because he gets super excited. But, um, so I just went and did that. And it was like, just during that period, like, like, everything that was like, you know, disjointed all just came together. And I I came back and I was just like, you know, <laughs> like everything just came together. But, you know, sometimes for me, it's just that change of scenery. Mm-hmm. When I'm feeling anxiety, I find just working on the thing that is giving me anxiety mm-hmm. because usually it's because i'm sitting there and overthinking mm-hmm. and i'm thinking about all of the different, you know, scenarios and it's keeping me from getting started and it's something about just starting that kind of just pushes that back
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then, you know, when i get overwhelmed, like for me, my coping for overwhelm is usually just grounding and taking a bunch of deep breaths. So, you know, breath work work, and just because to me, that overwhelm typically comes from feeling like there's too many things that have to happen in a short amount of time. And that's not reality. It's just the reality that you're feeling and taking those breaths help slow Mm -hmm. everything down because it feels like, To me, in that moment, it feels like everything is on fast forward. Mm. And I'm sitting here like, wait, what? Like, what's happening? And just to slow down and realize, okay, you can do this one thing and then you do the next thing and it's going to be okay. And sometimes I'll even like, I know people may think that this is crazy. Like you already feel overwhelmed or behind. I'll go take a nap.
1: Take a break. Yep. 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 Yeah.
0: I'll go take a nap and I'll come back and it's like my brain is fresher
1: mm-hmm.
0: and because I've you know walked away it's not so chaotic and I can come back more focused and just you know do what needs to be done but I do I it's just so important to you know I'm a planner by nature so I'm like you know I want to be prepared
2: yeah, And so
0: like, to me, it's been so powerful to learn those coping mechanisms. Or sometimes I will just like, if I, if I'm feeling kind of blah, I just get up and go take a shower. It'd be like, you mm-hmm. know, in the middle of the day, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but something about that water, just like, mm-hmm. it's like, let me just wash this blah down the drain and start over. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm feeling fresh and i you know, put on, you know, one of my friends thinks it's so hilarious. Sometimes I will get, you know, because I'm normally in my pajamas, but I will get dressed up sometimes just because I feel bad. Like if I'm, if I'm having a bad day, I might just get dressed up. Cause I'm like, who could feel bad when you look good?
2: <laughs> yep.
0: It's just those little tricks that you learn to play with your, your mind, you know, because like you say, your emotions, they're normal. They're Uh not going anywhere. And, you know, I hate when people say stuff like I'm fearless. Fear is a a natural Uh emotion. It has a purpose. Its purpose is to make sure you don't die, Uh but we just let it get out of its place. And sometimes it, you know, we let it talk to us in situations where it's not Uh supposed to be in charge. So we have to learn how to Tell her, go, go sit down. We're not, we not going to die. You've done your job. <laughs> you know, go sit down. Um, But it is it is a natural emotion and we have to stop acting as if we're not multifaceted and we don't have a range of emotions that actually all have a purpose.
3: Yeah.
0: It's just, you know, sometimes they, you know, take over and mm-hmm. we have to learn how to put them back in their appropriate places.
1: Mhm. Mm You said um, you were talking about what I just appreciate from what you said was really talking about the nervous system very heavily, because a lot of times when we again, when we are so used to functioning a certain way, we don't even realize that like when we are overwhelmed, burned out, our body is in a, a state of stress or, you know, fight or flight. And it becomes a lot harder to get things done. It becomes a lot harder to think strategically. It becomes a lot harder to communicate with your team or your coworkers. Like it becomes a lot harder to be productive when we are functioning from that state. And a lot of us might feel like no matter what I do, I'm not moving the needle. I'm not making a difference. I can't really get anything done. And you, again, noticing, noticing the way that your body is communicating with you, you have probably been operating in a state of a stress response state that fight or flight for so long and your body is looking for something to allow it to relax and restore. So what I appreciate about what you were just sharing is a lot of different ways that we can turn off the sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight or flight response, and then to turn on the parasympathetic, which is the rest and restore or rest and digest. And I love how you were saying sometimes I'll just go take a nap, you know what I mean? Or I'll do some breath work. Like again, we're so used to pushing through and just ignoring those. And I'm gonna get this work done, I'm gonna meet this day, like, I'm gonna do this thing. And it's like, yes, it's great to be successful and be accomplishing, but if you just go take a walk, you would be. Surprised how taking a break, giving your body time to calm down, when you go back, you are much more replenished. You're operating from a different state. You've had the time to clear some of that mental fog, and you probably will notice that you're much more productive. And so, one of the things that I've started doing every day isn't perfect. You know, some days I don't have the time to do it, but I really try to be intentional about scheduling in like a 30 minute window in my day. I call it sacred pause. And I literally just allow myself to pause for 30 minutes to do whatever I feel like I need. So sometimes that's just laying in the bed. I might not take a nap, but it's laying in the bed, kicking my feet up or sitting on the couch, reading a book or going out for a walk, uh, yoga nidra. Again, it's like, I t- I ask myself like, what do you need in this moment? And What I find is that when I'm feeling overwhelmed and like you said, thinking about all the things that need to be done and everything's moving really fast, just allowing myself that moment to step back, to pause, I can now finish out the second half of my day with much more mental clarity, you know, not feeling so overwhelmed. And so we often think that we cannot stop and we have to push through and we have to keep going because we have so much to do, but that's actually counterproductive to the way that our minds and bodies function. And it becomes a lot harder, like you're working twice as hard because you're working working from a space of fight or flight and a stress response, where if you just allowed yourself to slow down, to pause, to take a break, when you go back, again, you feel you're much clearer. And so you, you're you much more efficient that way. And so it sounds counterproductive, but we really do have to allow ourselves to slow down. And I love the the ways that you shared that are helpful for you because that pause, like it just makes such a difference.
0: Yeah. And I think, like you said, it does feel counterproductive. And I know when, you know, I say that to somebody, I'm like, look, all right, it's too much going on. I'm about to go take a nap. And they're like, but, 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 because it does sound counterproductive. And there was a time that I probably would have been like, that don't even make sense. Like, but, you know, just, you know, from having experienced it, having practiced it, you know, I just want y'all to know it does. It makes so much sense because when you are like in that state, you're not doing good work. Yeah. Yep. I mean, just just honestly, you're not doing good work. Mm-hmm. And when you stop, the other thing about stopping is you 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 re-enter reality. Mm -hmm. Because there's something in your mind that's telling you that everything in the world is urgent and has to happen in this moment, but it's not actually true.
3: Mm -hmm. You know,
0: that there's some things that maybe are urgent. There's some things that, you know, maybe there is this report that you have to finish by the end of the day and that's a hard deadline but maybe this other thing can wait till tomorrow maybe mm-hmm. you know just because this person called you right now doesn't mean you need to take the call maybe you can tell your friend hey i hear you i'm going to um give you a call tonight after you know there the there you once you have that pause you start to see things a little mm-hmm. more clearly and mm-hmm. you can push the things out the way and you can focus on what needs to get done. But all of a sudden it went from like level 10 urgency mm-hmm. to like, you know, I'm at a five.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One of the things that I want to share that I've been working on myself in my business and this I, it's true for everyone but i think it's especially true and important for entrepreneurs is how do i create a culture of well-being in my organization so if it's just you or if you have a few people working for you it's important to think about like how do i institute some of these practices into my culture like my you know my business culture my organization's culture because we all live in a society and with technology things are just moving even faster where We're so used to being on. There's no boundaries. There's no work, especially with COVID. Now, like you're working from home, people work all day. So the boundaries have become even more blurred. We're living in this urgency culture where everything is moving so fast. And we've all kind of just adopted this pace. And that's the pace that we are used to existing at. But I will say for like 95% of us, like the things that we're working on are not going to like no one's going to die. You know what I mean? Like if you slow right. down, no one's right. gonna, unless you're a surgeon, you're literally saving a life. Right. This, that's a different conversation, but no one's going to die. And beginning to allow yourself to say, what kind of practical things can I put into place to help me to slow down becomes important. So for me, for example, when we are, if I'm in a meeting on like a Zoom call or a meeting and someone asks me for a deliverable, sometimes they might say, hey, when can you have this to me? I try to avoid giving them an answer on that call because if I'm on the call with you, I want to give you the, I'm going to give you the answer that I think you want to hear, which is quick, usually urgent. Oh yeah, I have that to you in 48 hours. But you know, you got this long list of 25 things to do already. So is that, is that, helpful you know like is that true is that possible for you or are you going to now put more pressure on yourself to get this thing done in 24 hours so what i've started saying is hey i'll have a look at my calendar And I will send you an email and let you know because when I'm not on the phone with you and I don't feel like I'm obligated to give you a deadline, which I think that you want to hear, I'm going to give you a realistic deadline based on what's on my calendar, what's on my to-do list. Now, does that mean that I'm stretching the deadline out for two weeks? No, but instead of saying 48 hours, maybe I'm going to give myself four days you know what I mean so I try to so that's one practical thing like allowing yourself to not have to um again like perform in a way that you think someone wants to expect you to again you have a little bit more flexibility in your own organization but I think that this can also be true in the workspace as well we just a lot of times don't think that we have the ability to to move in this way um uh so thinking about that culture of urgency, again, like thinking about how can I schedule in to my calendar a little bit of time for myself, even if it's just 30 minutes, and then honoring that, right? Like turning on do not disturb for that 30 minutes and not taking the call or not doing the thing. So we had to learn to establish boundaries with ourselves. Another thing, <clears throat> excuse me, that I have started doing more is really having work time and then personal time. And this one is hard for a lot of us because myself included, I will work from the the time I start until very late at night. And I might take a break in between, but I just, when you are working on something and it's yours and you're passionate about it, sometimes it doesn't feel like work and it's easy to just be on all the time. But again, like we need joy, we need pleasure, we deserve those things. And so what does it look like for me to really institute my own personal boundaries around work and turning the phone off or putting that distraction away, those sorts of things. So I think we also have to think about some of those practical things that we can do to begin to allow ourselves to come from that place of ease a little bit more often.
0: And I think sometimes we have to be very strict on ourselves.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Until it becomes habit. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I know when I first, um, you know, left my full-time job, started working um, the business full-time, I had to say, okay, this is when, you know, I'm off work at this Mm -hmm. time. And at that time, laptop closes, Uh you know, switch to family time. And now, you know, there's a little, there's a little more blurred lines with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still like, okay, this is not going to take over. Yeah. Like, you know, there's still the, these established kind of boundaries. And, you know, for those of you that follow me on social media, you know, the running joke is that Walter, my dog is my self-care manager. <laughs> when he decide that I'm off, he mm-hmm. going to lay on top of whatever <laughs> I'm working on. And so that's how he got that title, because mm-hmm. I'll be in the middle of something and he'll just like roll through and just lay on. I'm like, oh, I guess I guess it's <laughs> awesome time. And it's almost like clockwork. Like he yep. knows what time it is. And he's like, nope, mm-mm, my time. You got to close the laptop or Monday is typically my off day. And so Mondays, he's like, he come in early in the morning. Like, um, why is this laptop where I'm supposed to be? Like, <laughs> you know, and so mm-hmm. my Monday rule is I only do stuff on Monday that I want to
2: do. Mm-hmm.
0: And so sometimes that may be work, it might be mm-hmm. something a project that I'm really like into and I'm, you know, trying to get it done. But it's only stuff I want to like nobody's gonna aggravate my nerves on a Monday like we're just not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta wait till Tuesday. We're, but <laughs> on Monday, I do the stuff that I, you know, that I really, you know, want to do and like, even though that's my off day. I don't schedule doctor's appointments on Monday because I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, I know I have to do that, but that doesn't bring me joy. So it doesn't go on my Monday, but it started very much like what you said with the, you know, 30 minutes. I When I was still working, I started doing, I said, I'm going to do 10 minutes every morning. Cause I'm like, I don't want to be here. The space is not, you know, like I'm just not happy. So I got to do something different. Mm-hmm. So I started doing 10 minutes every morning when I first got into work, I would go, I'm not a coffee drinker, I'm a, I'm a tea girl. So I would go fix a cup of tea, sit at my desk. I wouldn't turn on, marry a computer, mm-hmm. turn my phone face down and just sit there.
1: Enjoy presence. yes. That,
0: for that 10 minutes. Mm-hmm and just be present and, you know, thinking about, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing today and just setting the tone for the day. And I still do that. Mm. So, you know, now, um, you know, my husband works from home most days. So now in the morning he fixes his cup of coffee, he fixes me a cup of tea and Mm. I still do that. I still have that time in the morning before I get started, But it just, you know, it does set the tone and I can feel the difference. Like when I forget to do it and, you know, or something else happens, I feel the difference. But that just mindfulness and just, it really is just little ways to start slowing Mm -hmm. yourself down because nobody is requiring that you move at this pace except you. Yeah. Yep. and it's not your fault. I mean, we've been socialized to move mm-hmm. at this pace, but it's not a requirement. Yeah. You can slow down. And mm-hmm. you know, you when you said about, you know, COVID and, you know, those expectations, I remember when my husband first came home and started working from home and then I'm watching other, you know, friends and other people come and I had been working from home for like 2 years at that point. And I was just like, I looked at him and I said, What y'all not about to do is bring all of this workforce BS right. into the work we're home mm. from home space. I'm like, we over here relaxing and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and finding a whole nother way of living. Mm-hmm. And y'all came home with all the, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't like this, mm-hmm. this energy mm-hmm. because it really did carry over. And I'm like, you the, you got off at a certain time when you were yep. at the job, you get yeah. off at a certain time, you know, and, you know, I get the flexibility of it all. So I understand maybe you, you know, you did something personal and now you're going to, you know, do a couple of hours tonight to, you know, offset. I get yeah. that part. But we have to start setting boundaries in that mm-hmm. way that we start to reclaim our lives in a way that we are living meaningfully.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Personal.
1: When we think of boundaries, oftentimes we think they're for other people, but boundaries are really for us. So whether it's instituting boundaries with someone else, that's still for us. Right. Or whether it's instituting boundaries for ourselves, for us, boundaries are really for ourselves. And so I, again, I agree with you that thinking about personal boundaries and how I'm going to honor myself when I set this time is really important. And I think you highlighted. So going back to self care and or, or, or stress and burnout what does it look like to be proactive versus reactive? So on a daily basis, what are the things that I'm doing, whether it's that 10 minutes in the morning or my my morning routine or that pause during the day? like What are the small things that I can be doing throughout my day to be proactive so that I don't build up to this stressful space and then have to be reactive and think about how I come from that? And now I need... Time off, you know. Now I need to be in therapy trying to bring myself back. But it's like, what can I be doing on a consistent basis to nourish myself? And I always tell people we experience stress every day. So we have to be doing things to release stress, to mitigate the stress every single day. Now, the extent of the stress on a day-to-day basis might look different. So maybe Monday, you get stuck in traffic. Maybe Tuesday, your kids get on your nerves. Maybe Wednesday is your partner. Maybe Thursday is the business. Maybe Friday is financial. But every day, there's something that's going on. And so we often, again, think that stress self-care is for the weekend or it's for that one time a month where we can go get our massage or whatever we do. But Shifting your thought process to think, I experience stress every day, so I should be doing something, at least one thing every day to nourish and take care of myself, also helps with creating that culture of well being, being proactive and not always reacting from a state of reactivity. And so bringing it back to where we started, like, Thinking about in your home, in your workplace, in your career, what does it look like to create a culture of well-being where it's not just something you do sometimes, but how are you being as a person? How are you existing? What are the small things, the large things that you put into place? And then how do you honor those boundaries when you set those things so that you do take care of yourself? No, I love that. I love that. And I I, I want to jump in because I
0: just I I was thinking about it when you said it and I didn't um just pick back up on that about when you, when you were talking about the deadline and giving people, because, you know, we, we have to own how we are creating pressure in our own lives.
1: Yes. (laughs) Most of it's (laughs) self-imposed
0: because we are not, you know, like I can like, you know, I like, I go on site visits with clients and it just rolls right out of my mouth. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll get you a proposal by the end of the day. I'm not about to do mm-hmm. that. Like, why do I say that? And mm-hmm. then, you know, most of, you know, most of the people will say back, oh, well, I'm not going to have a chance to look at it until Monday. So don't worry about yep. it. And then I started to just pause and say, you know what? They're not looking at this today. I'm not going to do it today because there's a different part of my brain that, meets with clients than the part of my brain that sits and does a proposal Mm -hmm. it's going to take me a certain amount of time to transition from this person to this person i why am i doing this to myself Mm -hmm. and they're not looking for it but i've created this pressure to now get this done and they're not even looking for it like that. So, you know, learning how to do that as well, like remove, look at how you are creating yeah. things in your life. And the other thing that I see a lot of that, you know, because it's, it's, it's interesting as you move a certain way, you see things a little bit differently when, you know, when people are, you know, complaining about something or something's going on, you you have a different kind of perspective. Mm-hmm stop letting everything make you mad. Mm. That's a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of energy that gets put into that. And if you're already not having enough energy for the things yeah. that you need to do, stop letting everything make you mad. There are enough things in the world that are legit going to make you mad <laughs> and should mm-hmm. that you, some of them you're gonna have to just let go. You know, like, you know, does it drive me crazy that they leave the cabinets open when they, when they yep. walk through this house, it drives me absolutely nuts, but I could spend a lot of time being mad about it. or I could just close the cabinet and yep. keep on going. And then some days I'm going to close the cabinet and some days I'm going to tell them about this, yeah. but try to choose peace as often as you can. And again, like you said, with boundaries it's not for nobody else but yourself. It's for you because the person that you are upset with, they're not feeling what you Mm-mm. feel. <laughs> they, you know, like they might be like, oh, this person is upset with me, but your whole body mm-hmm. is consumed with anger. Yeah. And it's not, in, often, in most cases, it's not that deep. Mm-hmm. And so I've just learned like, you know, It's some stuff that I'm just like, "Hmm, all right, well, I'm just going to keep it moving because I'm not, you know, I I don't like how I feel when I'm angry. So why should I turn that on all of the time? Hmm. That should not be my knee jerk response. And so just, I don't know, it's just something about learning how to honor what feels good to you and and be okay with that and be okay with that you don't have to solve every problem you don't have to um announce every right you know because you might be right my grandmother used to say there's such a thing as dead right (laughs) you might be right but is it worth it yep some things just not work i'm I'm just not an arguer you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying i'm like you know i'm at this this point in my life where i'm just not gonna tussle with you mm-hmm. you know i said what i said now if you you know if you want to say that the sky is purple then yeah okay
2: yes <laughs> hmm.
1: Yep. And that's true, I think, for everyone being mindful of the ways that we give our energy away because I, my children are a big trigger for me. They're three and six, two girls. And so- oh, Lord, one of the, Jesus. I well, know. Well, <laughs> well, look, well. <laughs> I had to- start to realize the way that I would take their energy on and you know at that age they're like emotions are just a roller coaster and I kept letting them Everywhere. take me on that ride and at some <laughs> point I'm like I'm not riding this ride with you today like my youngest they woke up and she didn't want to get out of bed and she was about to have a meltdown and I was like you know what I'm not about to do this with you. I'm going to leave you here. If you want to come downstairs for breakfast, that's your choice. Otherwise you don't. Whereas in the past, I would have been trying to fight and force and do all that. I'm like, girl, no, I'm not. I agree with you. I'm not taking, I'm not taking it on Mm-mm. with partners, with, you know, friends. All of, It's our choice. It's our choice. And at some point, Boundaries have to be put in place, energetic boundaries sometimes. If you are always the friend that people call when they want to dump or they need to, you know, talk things out and you're always picking up the phone and absorbing that energy, you can start putting up boundaries and, you know, not taking all of those things on because we don't realize the amount of energy that is exchanged by being that person that someone always comes to you know those sorts of things so that is even a big drain on us like you might be feeling good and then you get on the phone with your friend who calls you every week when it's something going on at work or whatever and you're trying to figure out why you're always exhausted it's because you are allowing yourself to really deplete your own energy by taking on this energy or giving your energy to this person and so I I think that the most loving thing that we can do with ourselves is to prioritize ourselves first our well-being you know our our mental health our physical health and what we need and not feel guilty about that which is how we started this conversation but that is such a it's a healing process it's an unlearning process but it's also going back to that worthiness piece, really understanding, you know what? I am worthy of this 30 minutes or this 10 minutes or not taking this call. And even though it might make this person mad because they're used to me functioning a certain way. So we also have to name that. If you've been a certain way and now you start prioritizing yourself, you're going to piss some family off. You're going to piss some colleagues oh, off. But at the end of the day, preach on it. <laughs> your well being is so important, right? Like your health, your mental health, your physical health is so important. And then I share with you, like when when we don't, when we listen, when we hear these things, but we don't take heed, at some point your body or your mind or both will shut you down. They will sit (laughs) you down forcefully and say, this this is not it. And that was the story that I shared with my grandmother having a brain aneurysm at 50. It wasn't like she woke up one day and that brain aneurysm just came out of nowhere. There were signs, there were ways that her body was trying to communicate to her many years before that she ignored. And then it got to the point of, okay, I'm shutting you down now and you don't have a choice to listen. So while we think that, oh, I'm gonna inconvenience these people, or I might, again, upset these people, at the end of the day, it's about you first and who you upset and make feel guilty as you start to unlearn some things and do things different. That's not on you. That's on them.
0: <laughs> well, I think the biggest, like, you know, just, and, and, and it's, it's so simple, but just, a I have moment for me was like, why are they, why, why is their comfort more important than, than mine? mine. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a difference when you're talking about compromise Mm -hmm. and, you know, you give a little, you take a little, you know, but no, I'm just going to shrink myself to make you feel comfortable. I'm going to overextend myself Mm -hmm. to make you feel comfortable. And when do I get to be Mm -hmm. comfortable? When do I get to, you know, do what I want to do, you know, or, You know, when I think back, so then I'm doing, you know, everything for, you know, my household, this household, you know, friend, being the best friend to everybody, being, you know, at everybody's event, doing all of these things. And, but then I still have a whole long list of things that I need Mm -hmm. to do for me. And those things either get put on the back burner, or I'm up, you know, till three, four, five o'clock in the morning doing those things while the people that I did the other stuff for a day they ain't been asleep. Mm-hmm.
2: Like, mm-hmm.
0: You know, and like you said, I'm in the house yelling at everybody because right. I'm, 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 I'm frustrated. <laughs> I'm, you know, and right. you know why? Why self doing mm-hmm. that? You know, you have to just realize. You are choosing to do that. And it's the same people that do that. You, if, you go, if you go on Facebook right now, somebody's on Facebook talking about how I do everything for everybody, but nobody shows up for me. So yeah. if they didn't show up for you, guess what? You could not show up too. And I don't mean it in a malicious way. Right. I mean yeah. it from the standpoint of that person who you did all this stuff for, felt zero guilt about not showing up for your thing. Mm. so maybe dial it back mm-hmm. or maybe realize that none of them people actually do none of that stuff to begin with
2: mm-hmm.
0: you chose it Yeah. you chose it and even if they did ask you you can say no yeah and you know one of the things i say in business and people think this is such a like weird you know thing um no is the best form of customer service mm. And what I mean by that is when you tell people, when you say no when you're supposed to say no, you create a situation where you can show up as your best version of yourself. So I can show up to my clients happy and excited and creative because I said no to that thing that I had no business doing in the first place.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the same is true in your personal life. So now I can, you know, go to an event and enjoy the event and not feel like I'm so tired that I'm just sitting here and I'm like, please don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Just let me be. Because I can be present. Because I don't have 4 million other things to do because I said no to the things that aren't in alignment. Mm
2: -hmm. But mm-hmm. we
0: have to learn that no, you know, we mm-hmm. have to, you know, and there and to be, you know, transparent, there's going to be people who are gonna try to make you feel guilty for it. There's mm-hmm. going to be people that you're gonna make uncomfortable. I mean, but is your is your well-being, is your health, is your joy, is your fulfillment mm-hmm. worth more than that? And it totally, totally is. Yep.
1: And sometimes, oh, this is so good. Sometimes we have people (laughs) in our lives who are in our lives because we've been that thing to them. We've been the person that they could call. We've been the person that picks up the slack. We've been the person that has been all of these things. And then when you start to say, no, you realize that they're mad and maybe the relationship changes and maybe the relationship needs to change because you've been you know, this source of Whatever you've been to them, but it hasn't been necessarily a reciprocal relationship, or maybe you're constantly exhausted and burned out. And so the relationship needs to change. And so we have to allow ourselves to be okay with that. And I just want to take it back to when I talked about tracing those breadcrumbs to what's driving the behavior. If you can't say no, it as an adult, you know, woman, what in your childhood started that to where you had to please people or show up a certain way to appease people and make them feel happy or make them, you know, like you or whatever the case? Like, start to ask questions, start to connect the dots and see where this behavior is coming from. Because we as human beings are typically driven by the same thought I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. And so, where did that start? And how is that showing up in your life? now as an adult. And again, like you said, sometimes you look and you're like five-year-old me is driving the car right now. And how do I go back and heal that version of myself so that the, the conscious woman that I am today is showing up and I'm not operating from that space of anger or unworthiness or whatever the case is. And I have learned in my work that those emotional so we have our physical development physical and cognitive development so you know like when you're when you are a parent you have young children you take them to the doctor the doctor is asking you well have they done this and have they done that there are certain milestones that we are expected to achieve by or hit by a certain date so by Two, you should have this. By four, you should have this, and that's expected. At the same time that that physical timeline and cognitive brain development timeline is developing, there's also the social and emotional. Oftentimes, they don't add up because if something happens in our lives that interrupt, you know. So let's say in my case, going back to my own story, two years old, I had some very traumatic things happen in my life all I needed at that age was safety, right? Because I needed to know that Mm -hmm. I was safe. I didn't get that. I didn't get that feeling of safety. So that was an emotional gap. So although I'm getting older and now I'm four and five and, you know, so on emotionally, there was a gap at two and then there's more gaps. And so that's why sometimes we can respond as adults and throw tantrums and go, you know, go back to our childlike ways because we have these emotional gaps, these traumatic experiences that happened in our lives, where all we needed was to feel safe and loved. And we didn't necessarily get that. So now we are fully functioning adults physically, right? But emotionally and mentally, we are not showing up that way. And you got to go back and fill those gaps, you know, love on yourself, fill those gaps from this younger version of yourself that's still looking for for, for these things. And that begins to mend that relationship with that unworthiness. And that's, that's where I am now, because you can, again, you can know all the things, but the knowing and the doing are very different or the knowing and the being are very different. I, look, absolutely.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Like walking the walk is like, is it, different. It's, you know, very intentional, you know, like, you know, when you get ready to you know, really walk that walk, you have to know that, you know, you got to really like focus in on it. And, you know, like anything, like when you're starting a new habit, you, 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 you're heavy on it, you know, to get that comfort. And, you know, I have a lot of people will say to me, well, you, you seem like, you know, you really are like grounded in X, Y, and Z. Sort of, mm-hmm. um, yes, but at the same time, it's like, because I spend a lot of time reminding myself.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I spend a lot of time, like I, I'm very conscious of what I say to myself and about myself. And, you know, it is almost like as an adult, you are trying to be the adult for that younger, mm-hmm. that nobody else was. Mm-hmm and so then i have to tell that young self encouraging things i have to tell that young self that you are enough that you are qualified that because you you know think differently is actually you know a plus and not a minus you know that you don't have to overlove mm-hmm that you know all of these things that I continue to talk myself through yep. you know I, every day is not is not roses some days I'm like oh jesus like <laughs> <laughs> jesus <laughs> but I have to work through that and I have to go back to the drawing board and say okay no no this is not what we're doing and you know I mean I'm I'm a faith believer. I know, you know, everybody has their own beliefs, but I also feel like there are times when those God moments happen, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I've let those thoughts creep back in and then I get an email or I get a text or somebody says something. And I'm just like, I know that that was a God moment because it was the thing that I needed to hear in that moment or the reminder that I need it. And that's why I tell all my clients to start a success journal. Mm. Mm. Write down, you know, when when you have a successful moment and it doesn't have to be, you know, I won this national award. It could just be, I pushed through this thing that I struggle with. Yeah. But whatever it is, write it down because there are gonna be moments that you need to go back and 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 see the reality of who you are because mm-hmm. we we accept our shortcomings. Mm-hmm. But we don't accept our success in the same way. We don't internalize it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have that moment and then we let it go. But we remember every time we stumbled or fell. Mm-hmm. Ever, so we have to internalize that success in the same way, and know that it's an ongoing process. And I think, you know, because we don't see other people's internal thoughts, we yeah. think Ooh. that they're not the same. Mm. But the more I talk to people, I'm like, so you sitting around thinking the same, right? <laughs> so you, yes. So just the other day, you was thinking, okay. Yes. All Mm. right, but that's the truth, you know. And and because we don't talk about these things, people are walking around feeling Mm. alone. Yeah, you know, like I I I really wholeheartedly believe that the shape of Mm. mental illness would be so totally different if we had more valutive conversations around Mm. it, because the, 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 the things still exist, you know, but I think a big component of how people feel about it is the loneliness, Mm, mm. the isolation is that no one understands me. Mm. And, you know, that I think is that part and piece that, you know, really makes a difference in people being able to, you know, find solutions because now, well, I know my sister, she's going through the same thing. And, you know, she said, well, I go and I put my feet in the dirt and it makes me feel better. And that might be my thing. And, you know, I never knew it because nobody ever said it. And now I'm I'm about to go, you know, and, and do it. And it may be the thing that I needed to hear, but we just, we don't we talk about it in extremes. You know, we talk about the you know the 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 cases of people that, you know, are you know, the kind of like the outliers, but we don't talk about how this is a part of everybody every day that are going through this range of emotions. We just don't talk about it mm.
1: Mm. I just. I'm just like taking it all in because I, oh, I wholeheartedly agree with everything, and I do think that especially if we grew up in households like mine where we didn't talk about these things, like we find ways to cope, right? We think that if we don't, if we numb it in unhealthy ways, that it'll go away. I won't feel these feelings, but emotions are just messengers, like they are just communicating to you things that require attention, and we can often think that there's. I think even with myself, I'm unlearning the negative versus the positive because I can experience this end, this end of the spectrum and be okay with that. But if I'm over here, I'm feeling shame and embarrassed and guilty because it's like, why am I experiencing these things? But I've started to have a lot more compassion with myself about, okay, well, maybe the depressive feelings are not bad. Like maybe they're just coming to show me where I still have some work to do and just holding space for that and being okay with that. And like you said, talking about that I think is important but that's that is the one of the challenges with trauma is that it's very isolating like you you mentioned that like we hold so much shame and then we feel bad about the fact that we feel this way so then there's shame about or guilt you know shame and guilt about our experience and how we feel and so in our heads we're internalizing that people are going to judge me or I can't talk about this but I agree with you the more of these conversations that I have, I think is so important because again, you realize, oh, everyone is struggling with something. Right. It might look a little bit different, but at the end of the day, we are all going through and trying to figure life out and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean,
0: I it's, I guess it's just the more that I'm learning about stuff. I'm just like, you know, just kind of connecting the dots because the whole idea even of trauma, I think we talked about this before, Um, You know, when I hear the word trauma, I think of like extreme Mm. stuff, you know, and I have a good friend Mm. who is a trauma coach. And so I follow her and she started posting like, you know, the different like signs of trauma. And I was just like, Yep. Mm. I'm like, so you posted like eight things and I got like seven. Um Mm -hmm. You know, we we don't, we, we, we think of those things as separate, or we think of those things as like, um, almost like dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. And it's really, again, a part of who we are. We all carry emotions and they're triggered by different things. But the other thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is like, so, you know, I, I have a lot of people around me who have either been, diagnosed or self-diagnosed as um a lot of women as adhd Mm -hmm. and so one of my clients actually you know said that she wanted to go get evaluated because she was reading all the like symptoms Mm -hmm. um and following this particular doctor and she felt like it was you know Mm -hmm. something that she was going on with her so it piqued my interest i started reading it and i'm like okay Mm. well y'all just gonna tell me I got all the things okay cool fine but the thing that stood out to me as I started reading how it shows up in women Mm. I can also clearly see how we are conditioned to have ADHD Mm. Mm. like we don't talk about that either like that there's like I'm like this is pretty much sums up what you know, I understand womanhood and motherhood to look like. So, you know, not, you know, not saying that it's not a thing, it's totally a thing, but how much of it is socialized? Mm -hmm. Like you, if you socialize people to take care of other people, put other people first, to um have 85 tabs open right. in a life at one time and make them all work and, and and you know make sure everybody got to soccer practice on time and had lunch and it would that not make your brain just go bing, right. bing, 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 bing all over the place because of this unrealistic expectation? Like I just this is something I've been thinking about for a while. I'm like, I totally see how that manifests itself in my life. But I also feel like there's a lot of factors that make that a reality. Not, I don't know how much of that is just, you're just born like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm sure that there are people that are, but, you know, it's the whole, you know, nature versus nurture thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of nurture going on in this situation like if we you know alleviated some of the you know pressure to do and be all things would that show up less in women
2: Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: i agree and i was literally just having a conversation with my therapist yesterday so two things the first thing is i i am i appreciate so much about what you said about just seeing some of the signs and symptoms of trauma on your friends page and recognizing oh i'm i'm dealing with these things i think that one of the greatest misconceptions is the idea of trauma and who has experienced it and the danger with that is that if you don't see yourself within the traditional like medical box of trauma. Like when we think of trauma, we oftentimes think of war veterans or sexual assault victims or domestic violence. Like we have a box that we put people in or that we think people, you know, trauma belongs here. But the reality is that each of us, every every single person that is living has experienced trauma to some extent. Now, our trauma might look different and I don't necessarily subscribe to this, but sometimes you'll hear people say big T versus little T where, you know, big T is these things like the war and the sexual violence and those things. And then little T is like emotional neglect as a, as a child. However, I don't really subscribe to that because I don't think that the way that I was impacted as a child is any less than you know, you going through like it still has the same emotional impact on me. I'm still recovering from this as a as a 30-something year old woman. And yes, I was not physically abused, but that emotional abuse, which some people would think is like little T, definitely impacted me and it impacted me deeply. And I'm still working through that. But I think that again, for me for a long time, I existed with all of this baggage that I carry because I did not see myself in that box of trauma. Mm -hmm. Now, when I started to understand trauma and like you said, I'm checking off, oh, yep, that's true for me. That's true for me. That's true for me. When I started to understand it, I'm recognizing, oh, so the ways that I was trying to cope with this as a child, like I've been dealing with depression since I was eight years old, but I didn't see myself in that box because trauma looks this way or depression looks this way. And I think that that's dangerous because it, it, a lot of us wait and we and we don't seek the help and support that we need because oh I'm I'm not a war veteran or you know again all of these things but trauma is trauma like trauma is something happens to you and your coping skills are not able to uh to to deal with whatever happened right and so it doesn't matter the extent or what it looks like you weren't able to cope however old you were or are you were not able to cope your coping skills are not meeting you at the level of the stress. And so what we have to do, we talked extensively about this is to bring your coping skills up to meet the stress level so that you can begin to heal and work through these things. But I think that that's so dangerous because again, like people, when you hear these tragic stories about people not seeking help, and then, you know, you hear like people have taken their lives and all of these things. One, again, it's very isolating. So you think that nobody else is dealing with it. But two, sometimes we think that, oh, well, I don't fit this box, so I don't, you know, I don't deserve help or I don't need help. And you struggle for decades, years with something, well, when you really need help. And I will say from my own story, now that I'm recognizing some of the ways that my trauma has shown up in my life, in my relationships, in parenting, I realized that my mother, right, who had her unaddressed trauma was existing from a a very what many would say was like a depressive state. And because she never got help for those things, that's just kind of how she's existed. And that's why we see the angry Black woman, Nomer, and all of these misconceptions. You're not angry. Like, there's, there's healing that has to happen there, right? Like there's emotions that are showing up. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And so I, I, I just, when you were talking, I just appreciated that so much because we don't know what we're holding and how it's impacting us and how traumatic it is. And again, like thinking something is wrong with us. But the reality is all of us are walking around with so much pain and so much baggage that we really do have to release and heal. And most of the time we aren't even aware of the fact that it is, you know, we're carrying trauma.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it, it definitely was like eye opening for me. And I was just like, you know, I never, I just never thought of mm-hmm. it like that because, You know, like you said, if it doesn't fit or check Mm -hmm. a box, then you're like, you know, I never thought about it like that. Like, I mean, you know, this is not trauma related, but it's just something similar where I just like had this random aha moment as an adult. And I, you know, had never thought about it. So, you know, my, my mom passed when I was very young. My grandmother raised me and it was some conversation that I was um, having. And, you know, you know, back in like the the 80s, 90s, it was the, the whole, you know, broken home, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the, and I had a moment when I realized I was like, I guess I'm from a broken home. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about it in that way because, you know, my grandmother raised me. I had aunts and uncles around me. It was, you know, a loving, you know, situation. And so I never thought about it in that, way but I think there's a lot of things that we're living through like that that we're not thinking about in that way or that we're just like you know kind of like suck it up but not realizing that those things are you know much more traumatic than we give it Mm. and I really like in having my own child realized a lot of things that I would have never phased me Mm. um, that he was not used to. So like, you know, there's a couple of situations where we were in an environment where, you know, there's like parents yelling and, you know, people cussing and this and everything when he was small and I could feel him like almost melt into my side because his, his little body was experiencing something Mm. that made him uncomfortable and unsafe. And you know, while that was not like a norm, it still wasn't that abnormal to Mm -hmm. me. I had experienced people being like that before. So I didn't have that response, but feeling him have that response, I'm like, oh goodness. So I need to, you know, leave this space as, as soon as humanly possible because he is feeling uncomfortable, unsafe. But, you know- again, that wasn't like my household experience, but I've been places before where that was the experience. And it was normal to me, you know, that was, that was a certain level of normal. Yeah. And so now, you know, look back and say, well, you know, that was probably some trauma on you Mm. seeing that, you know, Mm Because I've always grown up knowing, you know, like in my house, that wasn't acceptable and knowing that I never wanted to talk to my child that way. I never Mm -hmm. wanted to, you know, cuss at my child or, you know, whatever. I mean, you get mad, you know, whatever. But I never, because I always thought that that was just so cruel. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I don't remember being that, you know, way that he was, but then also, who would I have leaned into? Like, right. that, you know, yeah. like who? Because they would have just been like, you know, go play. Yeah. You know, yep,
3: yeah.
0: yep. Yeah. So it's like you, you just live through stuff as if it was normal.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then,
0: as an adult now, you're like, wait, wait, that was not. Yeah, that wasn't normal. That wasn't that wasn't cool. Like, you know, but it's just that realization and just you know, really just trying to, you know, find as many undo buttons (laughs) Mm. that you can to like, you know, to really heal from that. But again, it does come back to that original thought of worthiness, you know, of just knowing I'm worthy of good experiences. I'm worthy of not having to, you know, be dipped in, in, in trauma Mm. and, you know, you know not continuing these cultural trauma bonds.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And like, you know, I mean, cause we we have just kind of accepted it and, you know, joke about it. And, you know, it's but it's like, you know what? No, we gotta do better.
1: Yep. 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 So there's a a great book that uh there's an author, Resma Minicum, and he wrote this book called My Grandmother's Hands. And Oh my gosh, this book is so beautiful. Just how he talks about trauma and the ways that it impacts us. And he breaks it down from the lens of um, people of color, you know, Black folk, people of color and how trauma has impacted us, white folk, white bodies, how they have been impacted because a lot of times they don't think they have their own trauma. And that's a whole other situation. The trauma really started with them, but he breaks it down. he also talks about po- police and the trauma that they carry. And so he breaks down these three categories. But one of the things that he talks about is exactly what you were talking about, just how things have been normalized. And we've we've just there's this like there in certain families and households there's like this culture, what we think is culture, right? Like some of the things that we joke about and we think are culture, it's not normal, but it's just been going on for so many generations and happening in our family for so often that we have just internalized that is this is how we function. Like dysfunction has become culture and norm. <clears throat> dysfunction has become culture and norm. And it's like, again, that self-awareness of like you were saying, like, oh, this is not normal. You know, like pe- we shouldn't be cursing and talking to each other in this way or, you know, treating each other this way. Like the things that we, again, adopt as culture and the ways that we have learned to cope even, you know, and, and adopted those things as culture are not healthy, but because it's been going on for so long, we've we've just kind of written into the system. But at any, regardless of what has happened in the past, I was talking to my therapist about like, at some point you have to decide enough is enough. And this ends with me. You know what I mean? Like with one one of the biggest drivers for me is, and I'm sure you can relate is being a mom because I'm like, despite the things that happen and as much compassion as I have for my mom, because I know some of the experiences that she went through. This ends here. Like even if yes, it's hard yes. and it takes so much work and some days, I have to be so intentional about not repeating those same things that have been normal to me and just culture. I'm so committed to that because, you know, this has been going on for generations, like generations. Yes. and um I, I think just the biggest takeaway is, yes, things have happened to us, and we do have to become aware of how we've been impacted but you can always make changes and turn a new leaf and start to do things different. You know what I mean? Like it it starts with the choice, like realizing your power and realizing that like you were saying, you deserve happiness. You deserve joy. You are worthy of all of those things. You are worthy of slowing down. You are worthy of not operating from a state of urgency all the time, even if that's how you saw the people in your life act. And again, like going back to you are worthy of all of those things.
0: No, definitely. And and I I totally agree. Like we can, we can, we can create culture around Mm -hmm. other things besides trauma. We can, we have such a rich culture. We can Mm -hmm. create culture around other things. It does not have to be around trauma and we don't have to just settle for what came before. Mm. And, you know, I know people will say when it comes to raising children, well, my parents did this and yep. I turned out just fine. Mm. That's great. Mm-hmm. um, But that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, change things up. And it don't mean that you got to throw out everything that they, yeah. you know, that they, that they did because there's so many valuable things that they gave us. um, But they were doing the best they could with mm-hmm. what was in front of them. And, you know, that was another, like, that was a healing moment for me. I saw like somebody post something that said, you know, your parents were probably, you know, where you are in life right now, raising you. And Mm -hmm. they were still trying to figure it out. And I'm like, well, man, that is true. My child, a whole 16 years old. And I'm just feeling like I'm Mm -hmm. getting my life together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you you have to give them grace because they Mm -hmm. were, you know, they were doing the best they could with whatever was going on at that time and whatever capacity that they had. And, you know, that gave me a lot of space for forgiveness for a lot of things. Um, But- I just knew I wanted to raise my child in certain ways that were different, you know? And I still, there's still a whole lot of what, of my upbringing that is a part of his life, but I don't want him, I don't want him to be conditioned to be a certain way. You know, like I want him to have the freedom to be, whatever it is he wants to be. Now, we know that there's life constraints and you know, we live in a society and but I want if if he's limited it's going to be by society. It's not mm-hmm. going to be because I've poured these thoughts into his brain. Mm-hmm. I want him to know, you know, like he he's he's always been a kid that like he doesn't like to miss school or you know, anything like that. So if he says I don't feel good, Go lay down.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not going to force the issue because for years we've been forcing, you know, work Mm -hmm. through your sick and this and that and all, you know, like that's not healthy.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Nope. Go sit down, go, go sit down. I'll send a note to the school. It is what it is. Like, that's just not a healthy way to be. Or, you know, one day he came home after school. He had like, he he does extracurriculars. He came home after school and he he said he was tired.
2: Mm Mm-hmm he mm.
0: said well I said oh you didn't go today he said I, I'm just tired and he went in his room and he went to sleep yep. and you know we have to teach them that it is okay that you know you don't have to just keep pushing yourself yeah
2: yep.
0: you know you don't have to you know you don't have to sacrifice yourself and you know we I, I don't know we just have to we we have to un undo just Mm -hmm. a lot of undoing and, um, and so that we could, you know, so that we can live because, you know, we're not promised forever on this earth. And I think some people think, oh, well, when I retire, or when this happens or when, we I slow down, down. like live today, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. live today. We both, you know, have experiences of people who, you know, have left us because they didn't deal with The stuff that they needed to deal with to, you know, to have, you know, have stayed longer, live for today, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself today because if you wait until, you know, whenever that, whenever, like you said, you know, you you don't sit down when you're supposed to.
3: Mm-hmm. I
0: promise you, I I didn't been sat down before. Yeah, so.
3: for sure.
2: Yeah, I
0: promise you, you will get sat down. Mm-hmm. So choose choose
1: choose yourself yes yes choose yourself because you are worthy of it And also, again, like one of the things that I've been working on is just not taking life so damn serious. Like that's just how I existed (laughs) for so long and my children tell me now, like, so I'm just like, what does it look like to just have more joy and just to be okay with having more joy and to not feel like I always have to be productive? Because really as black people, you know, specifically African-Americans, that is, that's nothing but capitalism. That's nothing but, us being workhorses for so long that we have just been conditioned to believe that we always have to be on and working and doing. And so when you start to unlearn, this is a deep unlearning, like this is generational unlearning, right? But this this started 400 plus years ago with us being enslaved and, and having to work and not having the choice but we're not there anymore. And yes, there's still things that need to be done. We made a lot of progress and we do have choice now and we are able to slow down and have more joy and unsubscribe from this culture of urgency And we've said so many things today that I think people can take away as far as skills and practical things. But I think the biggest thing is like, what is one thing I can do today? Even if that one thing is I'm going to shut my laptop down for 10 minutes and not work and start with that and like feel good about that and like let yourself enjoy that moment uninterrupted and then just see how you can add. I want people to know that this is a process that takes a while. It's a commitment. It's, It's a commitment. I've been deeply committed to this work for the last four years and I'm still constantly peeling back layers of the onion and sometimes we can think when will I get to the point where I don't have to like when am I healed like I remember asking my therapist like when is this over like when do I get to the next level and I'm done and all the things are worked out and she was like sis it's like an evolving ever evolving staircase where you think you've gotten to the level and then you look up and there's another level or there's another layer of the onion But the beauty in that is that you don't have to rush because I was trying to rush my healing for a long time and I was so just committed to getting to a certain outcome. And it's like, I'm just missing all of life in the midst of trying to be this version of myself. And so now I'm just allowing myself to slow down to enjoy the process, like the process has to feel as good as the outcome, right? And a lot of yes, times we get yes, so yes. focused on the outcome that we don't even think about the process. And a lot of times the things that we are working so hard for oh, I want my kids' life to be better, and all of these things. It's like the very things that we are afraid of that are driving this overworking behavior are the things that are going to happen if we can't take time to be present in the moment. Right. So for myself as a mom, I'm like, oh, I have to work so hard so that they don't have to work as hard. And I don't, you know, I, I was, uh, so many things happened to me as a child. So I want to make sure that I overcompensate and do all the things so that they are okay. But it's like, if I'm missing the moments right now, the very things that I'm afraid of are going to be the things that end up happening because I missed right now. So we got to give ourselves permission to slow down and just really take care of it and love on ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. and And I think the big thing for me is realizing that Busy and productive are not the same thing. Mm -mm. Productive is about a result. Mm. Busy is about an action. Mm -hmm. So busy is always moving, always doing. And we feel accomplished for Mm -hmm. some reason when we're busy. But production requires a certain amount of stillness Mm. and steadiness and production happens slow production doesn't happen fast production is not anxious go watch a conveyor belt it don't move my husband (laughs) works on conveyor belts right so it doesn't move they're not jumping all around they're not fluttering and and you know they're not doing that conveyor Mm -hmm. belts move slow
2: Slow and efficient Mm.
0: steady and that's what we got to reach is where we're productive and production also requires rest Mm. the conveyor belt ain't running all 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 day and all night you know they 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 turn it off (laughs) they do turn it off we have to incorporate that rest and know that it's almost like you know busyness is like a drug Mm. and we Mm. have to learn how to detox from it because When, you know, because I can remember, like, I can remember that detox process and it was really, you know, it was, it was, uh, I was like, but wait, but, you know, like, what you mean just sit, just Mm -hmm. sit here, still, by myself, like, that it's such a hard thing to do because we're so indoctrinated in this go, go, go. We've been on busy crack for years. And now we are going, you know, we have to go through that detox process, you know, Um, like one of my graphic tees says, um, it's booked and busy, it has a line through it, and it says paid and well rested. Mm -hmm. I make way more money now Mm -hmm. than I did when I was, you Mm -hmm. know, booked and busy because I was just going and going and going. Mm -hmm. There was no strategy behind that. Mm But now I'm more productive. I'm more profitable. But I'm my profit is not just financial.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you said, it's being present. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize until I quit my job how valuable picking up my son from school mm-hmm. when school got out was. Mm-hmm. As opposed to picking him up from aftercare.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It was just a different, you know, it was a different vibe and you know, we have a little time we can go grab a snack or we can sit and you know have a conversation cuz neither one of us is tired mm. in the car ride home you know it's just was mm. a different experience and mm. so you know like you said you're doing all this stuff to make a better life but mm. the better life is being present mm-hmm. it's being there is being able To enjoy them, and you know, and and fulfill them, and to show them an example Mm -hmm. that is different from the example that we saw, Mm -hmm. because now they can see, you know, what I don't have to do all of that. Mm -hmm. I can be a multifaceted person. I'm not Mm -hmm. my job solely, you know. So, you know, it's just giving them something different to look at. Like I'm just. I'm just absolutely loving
1: this conversation. Mm. It's so it's so good. You, I wrote that. I said, "Oh, this is a quote." You said, "Busyness is like a drug, and we have to learn to detox from it." And I have never heard it put that way, but I think that that's so true. And this drug, we don't even have the choice. As young kids, gets we, like it gets forced to us, Mm-mm. and we just continue with this drug until we get to the place where it's like enough, enough, enough. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's just. It it you know my husband told me one time he said man it's like if you if if you have a minute you got to fill it with something mm, mm. and I could have just been complaining about how tired right. I was but then yep. I'm like oh look well look let's go with and and he's yep. like what what are we doing <laughs> and and but that was how it was and now on the other side like I'm like you know. I start to look at things in a very different way. Like people start to present opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I'm that's air quotes for the y'all that are listening on the audio. I'm sorry. But opportunities to me and I'm sitting here like my mind goes to that sound like a lot of work. Mm. that don't sound like it's in alignment with what i'm working on Mm. that doesn't you know like that's where my mind goes now as opposed to saying yes and then trying to figure it out later everything that belonged Mm. to me Mm. and i'm not taking on any more things that don't belong like if it, it i'm look i didn't got comfortable being comfortable so unless it's you know mission aligned Hey, um, I I can't.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I just can't because me saying yes to that is saying no to myself, it's saying no to my family, it's saying no to what I have decided my success story looks like. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a big believer that your success story should be tied to more than an accomplishment mm-hmm. or a dollar amount. It should be tied to what you ultimately want your life to look like. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of my success story is time, freedom, and the ability to be present. Mm. And so if what you're putting in front of me is in contradiction to that, and also not in alignment with the other things that I'm trying to pursue, then that answer is going to be a big old no. Mm. And, you know, I wasn't always okay with that, Mm -hmm. but I am now i am now because it's something about when you find peace you know the same way you fought for busy man you'll fight for that peace Mm. because it's like again you know i'm just thinking about your body like you physically feel differently and now that i've removed myself from a lot of things my body reacts even Mm -hmm. like you know it's kind of like if you you know you get an allergy as an adult. Like I'm, I now, I now have an allergy to unnecessary busy and my body feels it coming. And I'm like, mm, 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 mm. like, nope, that doesn't sound, you know, because people will gaslight you. People will gaslight you and make you think that what they want is beneficial to you. But we have to start switching that paradigm and just realize, you know what? I'm going for happiness, and I'm gonna go for broke towards happiness, mm-hmm. and and be unapologetic about it,
3: mm-hmm.
0: cause you deserve
3: it. Mm-hmm.
0: You deserve yeah. it. Like I don't feel like we were put on this earth to walk around miserable.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: That's a mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> it go it goes back to the worthiness. Like I'm at this point, I'm just like this is so filling to my soul. It goes back to how we opened and just the worthiness of I am worthy of a life that brings me joy and ease and all of the things. And all of our unlearning and healing paths look different. But I think if we can begin to internalize and really believe that for ourselves, it might. It's not. It's I ain't gonna say it might it's not going to happen overnight cuz i've been doing it for years but it you eventually get to the point where you're like okay i do want to slow down i do want to do things different and you allow yourself to just begin to explore what that looks like for you and there are many different paths to get there but that's the beautiful thing about life is that there are many different ways but we can all we can all get there yeah
0: oh definitely and it's just starting and like mm-hmm. you said it's going to be this look everything got peaks and valleys it's mm-hmm. going to be that but it's just starting and being intentional. And the thing about it is, you know, you may not, it, it it's not going to be perfect. There's no such thing as anything being perfect. But the more that you focus on it, the closer you get to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even if, like you said, it's that winding staircase, even if there is no, you know, quote unquote end, mm-hmm. you know. I'd rather be closer to it. Mm. (laughs) I'd rather be closer to it than further from it. Just start the journey. Mm. And, you know, like you said earlier, just start with that 10 minutes. Mm. Just start with that 10 minutes and see where that takes you. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, working out like it takes forever for you to decide to go work out. But then once you do that workout, you feel amazing Oh, good. after, you know, so get started so you can start to get that feel good and then that feel good is gonna fuel you to keep moving in that direction mm-hmm. and you know I always say give yourself time you know time and grace
3: because
0: mm-hmm. you you've been taught all of this your whole entire life so you're not gonna it's not gonna hit undo in 24 hours it's just not
2: mm-hmm.
0: but like you said the journey.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: the journey
1: that's beautiful
0: the journey now I'm gonna wrap up because we gonna look we we <laughs> we about to open a church over here <laughs> this is just a it's it's just a mm. topic that's really near and dear to my heart I really want to see healing around you know just the idea of busyness and I I had to break down to get here mm-hmm. and I don't want anybody to have to go through that mm-hmm. to get here i want to you know if if you listen and you don't all the way believe reach out to either one of us and we can you know definitely um point you in some directions and work some stuff out because it it, it doesn't have to get that bad mm-hmm. you know be be preventative let's let's start working towards this goal and you know create you know a a different narrative
1: for generations to come Mm -hmm. and I will finish off by saying from my own experience I recognize that when God the universe however whatever higher source you believe in when God is trying to get your attention to say this is not the way that you need to be doing this in your body again we talked about being shut down you will will continue to go through that same lesson until you figure it out. And that has been my experience (laughs) there. I'm like, I'm teaching the thing that I needed and I need because I continue to get to this place of continuing to say yes to all the things, because again, I'm trying to run the race so fast. And I think finally over the last couple of months, I'm like, okay, I cannot do it like this. Like the, the, the universe is not allowing me to do this anymore. Like I keep hitting the same wall. And so sometimes we got to get that lesson, get beat upside that that head so many times till we get it. And then finally we get tired and we're like, okay, fine. I surrender, right? Like I'm gonna slow down. And that's just where I've been lately. So, you know, I, I always say like, I, I joke that I'm one of those people. Some people get the lesson as a whisper and some people get it. Does a tap on the shoulder, and then there are those of us who are super hard headed. We got to get the the hit upside the head. I've gotten the hit upside the head so much where I'm like, I cannot. My body, my mind will not allow me to keep going at this pace. Um, so just take, you know, take the lesson. The first time, like, don't continue to put don't yourself. Fight it. You. Yes, Cause don't fight it because
0: it. it it's, it's not going to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ask me so how I, I
1: knew. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to leave y'all with. Is just surrender, <laughs> surrender.
0: Okay, so I'm going (laughs) to do our wrap up questions. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked all my guests. So tell me about your favorite pair of pajamas.
1: I love a good old t-shirt and some shorts. Like I have so many like college t-shirts and things that are like broken in and so comfortable. And I will put something like that on before I grab my my fancy pajamas today for this call. But I love like old college, like the the, the nostalgia of putting on that shirt and going back to that memory. So my best pajamas are like t-shirt and panties or, you know, t-shirt and shorts, that sort of thing, like comfort. I go for comfort.
0: So, you know, I pajamas is my love language. So I have every kind that you could think of, mm-hmm. but I absolutely love, like my husband has all of these, like, you know, t-shirts from high school and whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And
0: he's like, I can't keep a shirt for you, mm-hmm. but I do. <laughs> they just, they just, I don't know. It's something about it. So I, I, I totally understand it. It's just like, like the ones like how, you know, you have on the satin ones, like, I'm like, okay, that's cute. Yeah. But when I go to lay down, I'm like, uh, oh, friend. Comfort. I feel like I'm sliding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> okay. So next question. My time freedom allows me to.
3: Mm.
1: My time freedom allows me to dance in the middle of the day, in the middle of my living room and just make some room for joy without feeling like I have to get back to work. So my time freedom allows me to pause and to prioritize joy.
0: I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, what is the best advice that you can give someone seeking the profits in pajamas
1: lifestyle? Mm. The less the thing that is coming to me is the lesson that I'm allowing myself to sit with and just process through is you don't have to go at the pace of the world. So the whole conversation we've just had with just this urgency culture and things moving so fast, I am giving myself permission to go at my own pace. And I know that I will get there because I believe wholeheartedly that I'll accomplish the goals that I've set for myself. But I'm allowing myself to slow down, to pick a pace that feels good and sustainable to me, and to really focus on the process versus the outcome. And I think that when we shift our mindset and just really pursue joy and, you know, think about our own version of success and what that looks like and allow ourselves to stand in that, we're going to get the profit. But in the process, you will enjoy the, you know, you'll enjoy the process along the way. And so that would be from my own experience, what I can offer. I think that's beautiful. Okay.
0: So what, what's going on in your world? What are you, you know, do you have anything that you're promoting that you want to share with the audience?
1: Yeah. Two things. So I'm writing a book. I'm in the midst of um, finishing up now. I'm going through the editing process. But so most of the writing has been done, but I'm writing a book called Hold Space to Heal. And it's a lot of what we've been talking about today of how beautiful our bodies are and how we have the ability to heal ourselves, that we just have to hold the space to allow our bodies to our minds, our bodies And really our spirits to go through that process. And so I share seven somatic approaches in the book that have been really helpful to me and past clients and that I use in my work, including meditation and breath work and yoga that we talked about today. Um, But I talk about the importance of just holding that space. Like oftentimes we talked about the power of the stillness and just the being and giving your body the space that it needs to release and to let go and you know, all of that. So my book is coming out um, Q2. So sometime within the next couple of months around summer. And then another thing that I'm excited about is I have created, it's in the printing process now, a Soul Care card deck. And the the deck is broken out into mind, body, and soul. And so there's 44 cards and there's different ways that we can nourish ourselves on a daily basis. And so the activities range from three minutes to 30 minutes, which we talked about doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes some intention. But so this card deck is for women to pull something every day and just to focus on something that you can do to nourish your soul, your mind, body, and spirit every day. So I'm really excited about those two things.
0: Awesome, awesome. And we'll put some information in the um, the show notes about how you can um, access all this information, how you can um, stay on top of when the book is released. Um, um And I'll definitely let me know um, when it's released and I'll share on social media as well so the audience can go back and um, purchase the book. I'm like so excited about it. I want to <laughs> thank you. I definitely want to um read the book and I I like the idea of this, the deck as well like that's a easy way to start the habits you know mm-hmm. because that's how habits start by doing mm-hmm. something intentional every day. So I you know I'm encouraging you guys go out there and um get a hold of both of those um so that you can start this journey cuz we mm-hmm. just want you to start. We just yes. want you to start and um it's just something beautiful about watching people heal.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: um. yeah. So this conversation was so amazing. Um. How can the audience stay in touch with you?
1: So I am on um, Instagram and LinkedIn as Dominice R. Clifton, and I'll have you link that in the show notes because yes. my name is super long, but um, <laughs> those are the two places that I typically hang out the most. And so I would love to stay connected there with people, Um, And for also for all of your listeners too, I would say tag both of us if you're listening and this message really resonated and just share like what was the thing that stood out. I agree that we have to be having more of these conversations. And so for people that listened and really took something away, like just letting us know like what landed. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think that's like, you know, my favorite part of doing this, doing the podcast is just you know, hearing from people Mm -hmm. and hearing, you know, that thing you said resonated with me, you know, and and sometimes it's the thing that you didn't even like, you know, like you might've been like, oh, that was such a great, you know, like, you know, moment. And it's like a totally something different that, you know, was the thing that really, you know, caught someone, Mm -hmm. but just, you know, absolutely share with us. Um, you know, any part that has resonated with you and and feel free to share it with other people that you know, that may, um, need to hear the message, you know, because that's how it gets started. Sometimes, you know, people just don't know what they don't know, or they know something's not right, but they don't know, mm-hmm. you know, where to start. They don't know, um, what, what's going on. And I, there've been so many times I've listened to something or read something and I'm like, oh, Okay. That makes sense now. Like, you know, I knew these different things were there, but I didn't know how to piece them together. So this has been an amazing conversation. I know I'm going to have you back. Um, <laughs> um, last we did the anniversary in January of the podcast and we had like mm. as many panelists as we could back together. And that was an amazing thing I as well. That. So, um, I know we're going to stay in touch. I know, um, you know, I know, I just already know that there's a lot of people that are going to be reaching out to you because, you know, the, it's very needed. It is very needed for us to start, you know, trying to heal and, and really look at how, you know, our, our bodies are a huge part of, I mean, that's the thing that we walk around with every day, um, of that healing process. So thank you for being here. Thank you listeners for listening. Um, As far as what I have going on right now, I will be running in the next round of my calendar detox. So, you know, very on topic in the calendar detox. um, I I had a cohort go through in um, February and it was just such an amazing experience. Like it really is centered around that slowing down the the act of slowing down and the act of getting your calendar in alignment with what your success story is
2: mm-hmm. because
0: you know myself included you know we pull out the calendar and you look at what's on there and you look at what you say you want to be doing and that that thing mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't match up so it's the it's that process of peeling back um a lot of what we talked about today of you know trying to, you know, learn how to be still, removing that guilt, figuring out some of those triggers, some of those things that are like keeping you busy and really changing, um, changing the scope of things. And there were just some really amazing, amazing breakthroughs. And I'll, you know, share some of the testimonies from the ladies, um, in the coming days, but Just look out for that in the show notes as well. And again, I want to thank you guys for listening. And um, I really, really do want to hear some of your stories and know how this affected you and what was that next step? Y'all know I'm action oriented. What was that next step that you took as a result of listening to the information that you got today? So I will see you guys next week. And thanks again, Dominice, for being a guest.
1: Oh my goodness, thank you so much for having me. I totally enjoyed this conversation and just feel honored to have been able to dive so deep with you and talk about all of these things today. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Profits in Pajamas podcast. I hope you got some great tips to start working with ease. Want to stay connected? Follow me at Your Workflow on Instagram. For more information about building your luxury brand, register for my upcoming luxury brand workshop at CoachDannyD.com.